All right. Hello and welcome again to another episode of Lego Mania Memories. And we are getting the promised conclusion to our uh, two-part underwater adventure. This is the July-August issue of 1997. We appear to be looking at, to quote the front cover, the sneakiest monsters in the sea. It's a very short uh, magazine. Like, it's it's down to the, it's the bare minimum. It's It's actually only two... 11 by 17 pages folded in half so the, the 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 barest minimum of a magazine and it's it's a small theme and a short a short display of it yeah if you wanted to say what the shortest uh, or the least memorable magazine out of 97 is or even say the first few years that we got the the magazine i would be hard pressed to have told you anything that i remembered about this magazine other than the fact that i'm pretty sure we get the names of the two um aqua raiders here not that they are particularly memorable characters either i think this is also one of the first F uh, magazines where the Lego maniacs sort of uh, took on a bit more of a personality within the the uh, the issue, from what I vaguely remember. Insofar as I don't know, he's he's got a couple of lines. So yeah, uh, I think it's just the one page with the quote unquote story in it that has the maniac kind of bracketing in it with a a little narration almost, but. I feel it's 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 the beginning of what we'll see more in, in future episodes where the maniac becomes often a character within the comics. Uh, and I feel like this is the first time that I, at least in these reviewing of these old magazines, have kind of noticed him as being a character other than just sort of a random guy appearing in the background. Yeah, I think if we had had the American magazines, we would have been more familiar with what we would come to see. Uh, from what I've seen, some of, because they had comics more similar to what we would eventually see in Canada. But certainly for us and our perspective, we were familiar with the name of Jack the Lego Maniac uh, from some of the other uh, materials that Lego had, particularly, I think, the catalogs. But he wasn't really a presence in the way that the magazine would make him until, yeah, probably starting around this time. Front cover of the magazine is particularly special but i kind of like it it's got two of the three aquarator sets they're drilling a hole in the wall with a bunch of hydrolator crystals pouring out of it yeah the aquarators have a a distinct color scheme one that really hasn't been echoed or copied at any other point in in lego's history and it's it's not bad it's it's definitely um visually sharp yeah and uh i guess well there's not much more to say about the cover flipping into the magazine we get just one page dedicated to the spread of their their new line of sets that they're advertising, all three of them. And as far as I know, this is a theme that never did have any uh, small extracurricular sets, shall we say, at least none that I'm aware of. Yeah, it's it's very much the opposite of the diver theme in that respect. I'm familiar with all kinds of stuff on Bricklink that I never knew from the catalogs or the magazines, but Accurators seems to just be the three sets with four figs between them and not even the smallest one probably retailed for seven eight nine dollars i would guess there isn't a true small um impulse buy in the line there's also not a huge mega set even the biggest set it's not that large it's it would be I'm trying to think back to what prices were but if you if you said the small one was 25 and the medium was 40 the big set wouldn't be much more than 70 i don't think yeah it's hard to translate 90s dollars when we certainly weren't buying the big set all that often 
into uh, current prices. And I've got a, an exchange rate issue going on now trying to think things straight. But it's it's a large set, but it's not a not a headliner in the way, say, that Neptune Discovery Lab would have been a couple of years earlier. So I, so far as I know, the only, I'm the only one in our family that ever owned any of these. I had the, the medium-sized set here, Aquadozer. And yeah, I, I don't know if, if any of our, you or any of our other brothers have acquired these sets in their adult life. Now, I, uh, our youngest brother is enough of an Aquazone fan. I know he has acquired quite a bit more. I don't know if he has the theme completely yet. As for myself, despite an interest in Aquazone, um, all that I've ever done is I managed to get a torso and a uh, diving suit such that I have built myself a not-quite-standard Scavenger Sam. Well, and that's kind of a good point to bring up, is that there are two types of figs. The big set has one of each, and then the medium set has one guy, and the small set has the other guy, so there's two and two. And there's they both have names. Rocky the Reef Wrecker and Scavenger Sam. Scavenger Sam has a trans neon green hook, and the face, we've seen it before as one of the Explorine faces. And Rocky the Reef Wrecker has both his hands, and he has the same face as uh, the one act as the uh, as the as the Aqua Shark soldier from the, the the previous couple of years. So nothing particularly noteworthy in 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 their characterization. Like I guess they both have reddish hair. That's about the only thing I could draw from that. There's not a lot to latch onto. I mean, I, I said I like the color scheme, and I think the design of the sets are are some of are quite strong. They're they're good for Aquazone, and they they're a little bit different with the drilling idea and the the scoop on the the medium sized sub. It does bring an edge to it in the design, but in terms of characterization, I mean, you had a Rocky the Reef Wrecker. We're given nothing to work with here other than a name. And that's true for both of them. There's there's very little story to pull out of them. And even though in theory these guys coming out this year are right between the Aquanauts and the Aqua Sharks before them, and the Hydronauts and the Stingrays after them, and they would have overlapped with both in stores. There's no real clear sense that they actually work together, other than a couple of mentions here in the magazine. Yeah, they they were kind of like the pirates of their theme. If you didn't want the if you wanted the Aqua Sharks to be more, I don't know, legit, I guess. Certainly, the story that is on the later page kind of gives that that piratey feel to them, but. I just remember having the set, like I never played Aquazone, solely Aquazone games very often. Aquazone was always a theme that we never really were able to latch on to in a good creative way that really we were able to build good stories with. But even so, I really didn't have a know how to integrate this guy. He was kind of a nebulous, neutral character that, yes, he's a bad guy, I guess, because they're called Aqua Raiders and he's got, you know, slanted eyes on his craft but really there's just uh, just a boring bland and his, his sub was a nice set like we'll talk about the sets in a minute but it just again aquazone itself we never got a lot of a lot of mileage out of but aquarators were just yeah i think part of the problem for you is that aquazone was the one theme where we had a well where you had a really good good guy to bad guy ratio you had like both of the large aqua shark sets and not too much good guy stuff, which is a great ratio to have. You want your good guys to be outnumbered and outmanned. So you didn't need 
the Aqua Raider to have this great big bulldozer sub in order to have compelling and good bad guys. And later, beyond the point where we were really playing Aquazone at all, but uh, we were still sort of doing a lot with the mythology, you tried to, to take Thresher and make him into a basically an underwater Grand Admiral Thrawn. And, you know, with the Aquanauts and the Aquasharks, you were sort of able to, to build a mythology there. And the Stingrays and the Hydrodots have a little bit of a, a dualism to themselves as well. But these guys, having no opponents, they're just kind of left out. I think in the, the my final my final version of the mythos that I had back whenever, the the other four themes were all nation states in the Aquazone, whereas the Aqua Raiders were literally two to four people with three submarines. Yeah, I, I know I started out having them all as five nations because the Unitron were descended from the Aqua Raiders. <laughs> oh, yeah. In the final stage, I think similar to you or perhaps in parallel with you, it, they ended up being a pirate band operating out of Aquashark territory. The connection of the Aquasharks is kind of easy because the, the soldier figs have the same face. They kind of have a similar design style. And they're both bad guys. They, they're bad guys that operate with Grand Admiral Thresher's, uh, you know, uh, winking a blind eye at them or something. But uh, yeah, it, it's kind of unfortunate that they never really got more than that because they are they I, I look at them and I'm like, yeah, these are cool sets. I would like to get these sets, but I can't latch onto them. Yeah. And like the figs themselves are actually really nice figs. Like I've always liked the Aquazone figs. They're 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 a good blend of non-branded sci-fi as well as with just a little bit of steampunk added to it. And the colors are always very sharp. They're like classic, they're like Lego space themes in having really good, you know, sort of two non-translucent colors and a third translucent color as a trio mixture. Um, and you look at the the figs, that, that, that those colors are black, dark gray, and trans-neon green. Um, and it's it it works, and I like the the design on their torsos, which has like turquoise printing on it. I, I I wish I had more to have experimented with putting them with some turquoise parts, but cool isn't quite enough. We always needed some story too. So before we get to the story that they put here, uh, I guess we'll just talk about the sets again. I've only the middle one is the only one I've ever seen in person. I I've never seen the other two sets ever. Uh, other than what I see here, I, and I can imagine looking at the now, I can kind of see what's going on there. So the, the small set, Crystal Scavenger, it looks like a kind of a swooshable set. It's, it's got a nice tight design. And I don't know, it seems the drills seem pretty nice. I'm sure it'd be a, a fun little set to play with. Pretty standard Aquazone set, cute little thing, tight, tight design. Yeah, and, and even though it is the smallest set, it's actually relatively bulky. Like if you were to compare that, that's probably got almost as much space in it as the second largest Aquashark set, the one that you had first. It's certainly larger than any set that I ever owned. The only one I had with a, I guess I had two with a covered cockpit. I had the smallest um, Aquanaut set and the smallest Hydronaut set. And this one is larger than the two of them combined. So it's a decent size sub. Um, but yeah, like you say, it, it's got sort of, it, it's almost like a muscle car sub, like it's got some, en some energy to it, but it is, it does look like it could be. The medium one is the set that I have. I know it a little bit better. It's, it's, it's pretty nice. Like it's, it's, it's got a, it's got a beefy, beefy feel to it again. 
it was kind of, it had a few interesting parts that I didn't have. Like I never had an actual bulldozer. So this was the only time I ever got to experience having that piece, which was kind of fun. Same with the big glass dome piece. That's the only piece of that that I ever had. It was kind of unfortunate that both those pieces had large stickers on them. Uh, which meant it was very difficult to incorporate them into other builds. So, like, I never got motivated to use that dome piece for a spaceship or the bulldozer as a town bulldozer because they had those stickers on them that kind of made them look a little odd, and we were never keen on removing the stickers. Because you could never really put them back on. No. I was going to say, the, the sorriest thing about the Aquadozer, in terms of my memories of it, is I associate it with your great disappointment of getting it. Really? Do you remember which Christmas you got it? I don't. Okay, so Christmas 1999. So it was old when you got it, which suggests to me it probably sat on a store shelf for a while. Possibly that is why mom ended up getting it is because it might have been on sale. 1999, for those of you who don't know or remember, is the year that The Phantom Menace came out. And that fall is when we got into Star Wars. Oh, yes. We each got two pretty good-sized medium sets for Christmas. I got Anakin's Pod Racer and the Naboo Fighter. You got Anakin's Pod Racer and the Aquadozer. Coming on the heels of St. Nicholas Day, which is another story that we may get to later, you were um, themed a little bit. Just a little bit. Oh, yeah. That would probably be why, among other reasons, this, this set uh, had very little interest power in my life a star wars was literally blooming into our consciousness and b it cost me a star wars set at least you know so so one assumed i mean looking at it it actually might be um the best of the aquarator sets just as sort of like a large submarine at least it, it might be my favorite of them it was a good set um, and looking at it, I'm noticing that it's making use of the chain pieces, which were new to 1997, I think. Yeah, it came with two chains, so that was nice. It has a dual propellers at the back, so I felt it was a fairly beefy set. It came with a compass, one of Lego's working compasses. It was one of, I think, three that I ended up getting over the time. And it comes with a little mini pod, that uh, a little mini ship that it comes out of the main, which is always a fun, fun thing and yeah a lot of a lot of nice just black plates to build with you always always can use more black plates a few control console pieces that i didn't have which is fun to have yeah so like it was it's a decent set it's nice it's a good part set and uh it's uh it's a solid set to play with yeah i remember now yeah it just came at the wrong time a couple years too late almost literally um and that brings us to the largest set uh, the Hydro Reef Wrecker. It's a weird set. It's, well, I mean, again, I've never seen it in person, but it it's it's a wheeled vehicle that has the back portion can eject as a as a sub, which makes no sense really in the context of of both the the environment and all the other sets. Like there there was only one other Aquazone set I think that was a wheeled vehicle which i had a hydronaut set but that did have propellers on it so it was clearly intended to be able to move about well i guess no i guess no wait hold on i'm just seeing this the part that ejects has propellers facing in both directions which i guess would mean 
when it's attached to the sub, it propels the sub. So I take back all of what I said, but it is kind of an odd set with the wheels. It is still kind of odd, though, because when the rear portion is off being a submarine, the main portion can't be a submarine. It's, 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 it's going to be stranded without that relatively small part to it. Um, it it's not a terrible looking thing, although it is a little deceptive because you're dealing with something that's green and black on a dark blue background. So I don't have the, 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 the purest grasp of the design of it in terms of like what it would look like on a neutral background. I, I suspect though that it's probably the least uh, swooshable of the three. It's got a few interesting parts of number of green plates with which in my later Lego years I was much more into castle building and particularly landscaping. I actually wanted to do some landscaping and you can never have enough green plates. Yeah, and although green, I'd say nowadays is an almost afterthought color, something that you get in creator sets and don't really think about. In the mid '90s, green parts, other than like a base plate or maybe a few parts in a freestyle set, were not common, not really. And there's a lot in these sets, and a lot of parts that you know would never appear again in the color green. So those are the three sets. I don't have a whole lot more to say about them. They're good sets. Yeah, we basically talked about the entire line and everything to do with it. So on to the September 13th, 1997 Vention Adventure thing on the next page. You can tell how little they had to talk about the the Aquarators because the next page is the whole page is talking about the bottom half is talking about the Deep Sea Building Contest or Deep Sea Challenge Building Contest, which we mentioned in the previous one. And the top half is mentioning a a Lego exhibit coming to somewhere in Ontario, naturally. Always Ontario, never anywhere else. Well, it did say that it was going to go to Vancouver in the spring of 98 and Calgary in the fall of 98. I think by the time the fall of 98 came, if we had ever noticed that Calgary was mentioned on there, we had completely forgotten. But normally, in most issues that we've been observing, these things would have been squished into... Certainly, an advertisement for an upcoming exhibit would have been squished to like a quarter of a page shared with something else the fact that they can put a whole spread for reminding you about a, a contest from the previous issue and telling you about uh exhibit exhibition is uh telling that there's not much else that they had to put in here yeah and i mean turning the page on to what we get next it's almost i think unfortunate that they decided to give aqua raiders their own issue this issue should have been about the the indians the wild west native americans indians whatever you call like basically what we're looking at here is the the half an issue that uh talks about this part of the wild west this this new part of the theme and it's it's a it's a it's a quote-unquote snakes and ladders board game although it has one ladder and one snake um but it's basically but it's it's just it's just a, a basically a full spread advertisement for the four sets of that of the second year of Wild West, and it's you know that's only one set more than Aquarators have, and you could maybe make the argument that well Wild West had about as much claim to it to an issue as Aquarators, and they went Aquarators, so you know whatever, just fifty fifty. But looking at this page, these are really good sets. That was a really great theme, and I remember how much we loved the, the first year of Wild West. I think it's unfortunate that the second year didn't get the same amount of attention or treatment. It is. I think we may as well just go in and talk about this theme as a whole for a little bit at least, because this is basically a full page spread about that. 
and we're not going to get another issue on them. Yeah, and I would say that these sets, these are good sets. They're not, I don't think, quite as great as the first line of Wild West. There's a, there's a number of unique pieces that we first see pop up here, which we'll get to in a second. I don't, a lot of things just seem really blocky. I'm thinking like the two totem poles in the sets. I can't imagine how culturally sensitive these sets are or are not. On the one hand, they are kind of just their own thing, which I think is fair. Like they're not, I don't know. I, I, I can't speak to that, although there certainly is a bit of a culture mishmash here. But as far as a random innocent eight-year-old white kid thought these seem pretty fun it is so interesting though there's not a single crossover connection between this year of wild west and the previous year there's there's no bandits or cavalrymen or anything it just it just seems a little a little bizarre that there is ne- there was never any interaction visually like other than the fact that they're both called wild west like if if they had just named given this its own name as opposed to just wild west with a different with a feather logo as opposed to a cowboy hat logo, we probably might have just made this a separate, a completely separate theme from Wild West. Yeah, I, I think Lego was trying to thread the culturally sensitive needle by not having the the native theme interact with the the settler theme, for lack of a better word. So they can never be enemies or opponents, and at least not in any sort of official literature. What kids end up doing with it, obviously kids end up doing with it but i i think as a result you do and 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 especially coming as the second year and not getting the same kind of at least magazine attention they do sort of suffer a little bit as a forgotten sub and and looking at them i think you're right that they aren't quite the same building standard as the first year of wild west and part of that is going to i think boil down to the fact that since it isn't a European style culture being depicted, the buildings, quote unquote, are less square. Like if you look at the the rocks in the the largest set, Boulder Cliff Canyon, those are stand up just fine to the 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 gold mine that I had from the year before. But in terms of there is no there's no bank, there's no Fort Lagoredo, there's no sheriff's office, so the construction does have to be different. And lacking that, most of what you're building is going to be either environment or it's going to be smaller things like the totem poles. And, um, and so it d- does feel a little bit weaker on that. But where the theme lost in perhaps build quality, it sure more than made up for in new and interesting pieces. You have the cloth teepee set, the cloth teepee part as well as its poles. You have horse, new horses with like the same horse piece, but with new prints, a white one, a white, I guess, uh, spotted and a brown spotted one. Uh, You have the feathers that can clip onto uh, tomahawks and spears. You have the feathers that, that can fit into the same feather hole that like you found in the castle themes. You have the chief's headdress. You have the medicine man's headdress. You have all the torsos. You have everyone has printed pants. Everyone's face is different and is not based off of the classic smiley face. Um, they have pupiled eyes. You have uh, a new hairpiece. I think actually you have, I'm not sure if the woman in the largest set has a different hairpiece or not. I can't. No, hers was the same I believe, at least to go by the same fig in the uh, Chief's teepee set, because our sister had that one, and it was the same hairpiece. And then you have the snake piece, lots of snakes in the set, which would uh, find their home in future adventure lines. 
uh, and you have the stump piece, and you have shields, uh, new new shields with uh, two different logos. I always envision that there are basically two different tribes here. The we'll call it the red horse tribe and the blue buffalo head tribe. Yeah, I think it might be more realistic to say that given that this wasn't an industrialized culture, that they were, you know, just everyone had their own handmade things and such, so they, they shouldn't all look the same. But of course, we were familiar with Lego uh, having very standardized sorts of thing, things, and we definitely did sort of look at it. You got sort of your more red side of things or your more blue side of things. Um, all the parts you just highlighted, the the printing on them is fantastic at the the design of the the horses and the the the, the minifigs and all of their their accoutrements are they're it's a really well done theme in that respect and some of the uh, the the collectible minifig lines that Lego has done since then they they borrowed the molds completely unchanged and you can't blame them they're they're perfect and uh, a wide selection you and I we got the tribal chief the small the small little basically just a single minifig with a bush set. We both got that not too late after the theme came out. A fair bit later, you got Raindance Ridge, the next small set. But our sister for Christmas got the largest set and was her largest Lego set, I think, period. She never really got big into Lego. And I remember, again, I was never super into the theme, but I do remember being kind of jealous of my sister just because she had so many interesting new pieces like that stump piece in particular. I remember being very interested in and so many of the of the minifigs with, uh, with all the, 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 the interesting new stuff. Yeah, I think one of the things that Lego shortchanged uh, this sub theme, at least for us, is that by not giving it the headline of a magazine, none of the native figs have names or were given names by Lego that we know about. And as much as we were into the story and the mythos and the lore, we needed a little help making it up. And Rocky the Reef Wrecker, at least he gets a name, which none of these guys get. And you got to imagine that, you know... Culturally sheltered white kids are not going to come up with great Indian name. No. Not like insensitive or bad ones, just they don't sound good because we don't have any idea. We don't have anything to base it off of, and therefore there was just sort of nothing happened. But it's a fun theme. And I, yeah, I don't know. Each of us, for the most part, only having one chief did kind of very much limit any ability to to do much with with the theme although i do remember the the chief being a being a pretty boss dude relative to uh to a lot of things yeah despite the fact that he was the only wild west person without a ranged weapon um he managed to hold his own against both bandits and sheriffs and cavalry pretty well um we more or less exhausted our interest in wild west by the time i got Raindance ridge i got that in 2000 so speaking of the star wars era we were well underway then and uh, the heyday of wild west was roughly christmas of 96 until like february of 97 it wasn't a very long period of time and it was over before we got any of these but the earlier days of wild west uh the the chiefs mine and yours did did manage to uh, not go gentle into the quiet night. This is pretty much the whole theme, other than that they released a larger set 
which is basically Boulder Cliff Canyon times two, but with both teams. Yeah, and it's it's it, it's it's kind of like the divers to me in, in that it's weird that there was a large set in the theme that isn't a part of the sort of the main release advertising run in the magazine. Um, it's it's a set that I know exists, but because it's not here, and I don't know to what extent it's uh, used shown in the in the, the like uh, normal catalogs that go in a Lego set box. It is a large set that's an interesting set that I don't really know a whole lot about. Yeah, me either. Me either. So perhaps we move on then to uh, uh, the quote-unquote feature story. Their words, not ours. But he, but here uh, we see uh, the, the little bit I was talking about, the Lego Maniac. He, he has a little... A little blurb at the beginning and end of the quote-unquote story where he's he's guiding us in and i think yeah so that's the first bit of personality i remember really like picking up from the maniac and uh yeah something the story is it's not even even by by these feature stories it's it's not much of a story it's just the two accurators saying how they stole stuff from the other themes although point in it does. It is interesting to note that they acknowledge that the two other themes, the Aquanauts and the Aqua Sharks, they exist. Yeah, they're they're mentioned in uh, Scavenger Sam's dialogue, and there is a visual of an Aquanaut on the page in a speech bubble, which is uh, there is intended continuity. They're all the same theme here. It hasn't the old stuff hasn't been erased. It's just in a very '90s Lego sort of way. They aren't actually tying the themes together and the the way that the aquarators have gone about their villainous plans here are kind of cheesy they stole the grabber arms off the subs and they nabbed their compasses basically we seem to have some kleptomaniacs rather than bad guys which is also kind of interesting because it doesn't really fit in with the design of the subs the, the whole and the names of the sets and the whole idea that they, they're like bulldozers and big drilling machines that they're just going to barge in there and, and and just destroy the landscape to get the crystals. It's more like, no, we we just stuck in the dead of night and stole some stuff from other people. Yeah, and, and actually thinking about it, because I, 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 the design of the Accurators, it, it, it's occurred to me that one could make a Rock Raiders comparison. They are sort of a proto-drilling, digging, mining theme, albeit specifically set in the Aquazone, but they're 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 set up as characters who are bad guys, even though their equipment could have almost have been just miners. They could have been a neutral third party, almost like the Mtron, if you had just taken the scary eyes off of their ships. It's true. Those scary eyes are very odd. They're not really in line with anything else from the time period. The they 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 give an extremely cartoony look to to things that are otherwise not particularly so. Yeah, I mean, the Aquazone could be a little bit anthropomorphized animal ship, a little bit, I guess, if you look at, say, the Aqua Sharks and their shark-jawed ships. But this is a little different and a little more so. And it's just, it's a, it's like a, a floating pair of eyes. It's not like a clear face. So it, it, it's different. I don't have much more to say about the story. It's very bland. I do like seeing, like, half a dozen compasses. Oh, that'd be the dream to, to, to find that on the ground somewhere. Well, I mean, I had pretty much that many compasses, and it was... But the next page, interestingly enough, is actually a very interesting tidbit. It's the Tech Tips page, and it's another three-panel comic that 
basically is just advertising the tech, the technic set of the week or the month. Uh, again, to call this a tech tips, I mean, it's, it's just advertising the set. That's all it is. Despite that, it's the better story in this magazine. It is. It is a better story. And it has, shall we say, mythological significance to our Lego world, I think. I was thinking a very similar th- thing that this one... This is the the one Technic story maybe that had direct consequences for us. We had some Technic minifigs. At the time of this issue, you had some Technic minifigs. I had some Technic. And we would get a couple of Technic vehicles in the upcoming years. You had the, 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 the Technic minifig set. So you had three, three Technic minifigs. And that was basically, for, for the purposes of explaining this, you had... Three Technic minifigs, and that's essentially all that you had, all that we had. Later, I got the same three minifigs. But that was basically all a Technic was in, in terms of what we owned. And we didn't know what to do with them. But this sort of established an idea or a pattern that the Technic are these heroes who go and save helpless minifigs. You and I didn't really grow up with comic, well, we didn't grow up with comic books. We had, at best, a very peripheral awareness of Batman, Spider-Man, and Superman. And it wasn't until like movies started coming out in our teenage years that we really got any awareness of the Marvel and DC superhero universes. But basically, what, what this comic inspired you to do with your Technic minifig was basically make them into comic book superheroes. Without knowing that that's what I was doing. And I mean, that's basically what happens in the story. Although the, the, the bits of Lego that they use in the story are fascinating. Because we get uh, what is a repurposed uh, Will of the Witches dragon craft turned into a balloon with two town figs. And then we get uh, the truck off of an, of an Outback set that our brother would later own. But they're, they're, they're regular town minifigs in dangerous positions and uh they 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 need help and the technic swoops in and saves them and yeah that's basically a a description of what our technic uh figs became and so at certain points in our mythos we had the concept that there were in fact larger human beings in the lego on 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 earth that were a small a small group of people keeping to themselves but who had taken upon themselves to you well with great power comes great responsibility basically to to do what they could to look after the helpless smaller minifig particularly those of townland because the townlanders were much less adept with dealing with harsh situations and they were their closest neighbors you can see the cultural similarities they use helmets they wear the same types of clothes they drive the same types of vehicles but they're not in the the same quite geographical space i believe the technics lived on an island uh not far from townland was our our story and and the technics never played we would have the very occasional it was more so the sort of thing like we're bored but we're kind of lazy we don't really feel like taking all our leg out for a bigger game but you can just grab the three technic figs and lie on the couch and sort of just play with them and and then you start like coming up with a few stories for them so they were good for that and that's really all they ever were like at some at various points in our mythos they were like an official part of it but they never impacted the the bigger stories yeah the 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 best thing about the technic figs was their posability because they had so many more points of articulation than a regular minifig and in this way they were sort of the proto bionicles for us of you could just take them and pose them and make them do kicks and jump 
and karate moves and that sort of played into their for lack of a better word superheroism is they were able to do move and uh that you know sort of got all, all incorporated in there as well again sort of running parallel to comic book superheroes without having any idea about it. well i and, and it's interesting the parallels because you you had a black a red and a blue fig and at some point it morphed into the fact that the black fig was the master the the jedi master as it were and the red and the blue were apprentices to him and they were learning all the skills about being a, a master superhero basically and like learning all the the physical karate moves and how to be disciplined people and they would get into scrapes and kind of fight amongst each other over over their imperfections and stuff yeah and just just from the the master apprentice dynamic we can date that to a little bit later again the star wars era the star wars era has come up a lot in this magazine considering that it wasn't going to happen for another two years i think at some point we may have even made them force sense i do sort of remember giving one a lightsaber at one point yeah because they were sort of very peripheral to the collection they did they were able to be experimented with in a lot of different ways the thing that ended up sort of sticking most for me but i think that it came after most uh, really came after our childhood so it might be more of just a me thing was the idea that the technic figs were to the regular minifigs what the bionicle toa were to the matoran and i mean that very literally i mean they used to be minifigs who got turned into toa which is why they're so much bigger and stronger and they're superhero oh I, i'm not aware of this one it like i said it, it, it came late and so it might have come late enough that it wasn't something that ever got played and it might have been it's strictly a me thing but uh the idea in my head was that three regular minifigs townlanders maybe something along the lines of the extreme team end up on mata nui and they get Toa-ified, for lack of a better word. I think they went into the cave, and they come out the other side as bigger, stronger, taller, more super-powered heroes. Toa, basically. Awesome. But that was obviously a much later development. Bionicle's not coming out until 2001, and that wasn't an immediate uh, connection to be made. That's something that came with some years of thinking. Back in the classical days, it was just, well, we have these big fig things what can we do with them how can we make them interact with our regular minifigs and this rather simple comic provided the template for that and closing the issue on the back page there's just a order form and a couple of small little town sets that are on for a special deal and that's pretty much the magazine yeah and the town sets there's not too much to talk about they're they're nice enough town sets i think they're probably both a couple years old at this point and that might be why we're seeing them here is to sell off some stock certainly the rebel roadster i think was closer to 95 and i want to say the ambulance might be then or 96 neither of them are sets that i have any real memory or history of and yeah there's not much else to say so it's a slightly shorter episode this this time but it's a slightly shorter magazine yeah, Lego only gave us so much to work with. Uh, and in a way, that doesn't change right away, but I do think that things are going to grow a little bit more once we come back next time. Uh, so tune in then for uh, September, October of 1997. We'll see you then.